You're listening to Ebb and Flow, a podcast by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com. Visit gettingtogod.com for more podcasts, articles, videos, and collections of information about the search of the soul. This podcast is part of a series called Stages of Faith, in which I talk about all of the stages I personally went through and the general order I went through them. You can get the entire series free at gettingtogod.com forward slash stages. Ebb and flow are words that basically in a body of water, they describe the tide. Ebb is when the tide is out and the water goes further away from land. And flow is when the tide comes in and is closer to land. Faith is like this. It, it has its moments when it's further away from you, and then it has its moments when it's closer. I'm like any other human in that if I don't understand something, I fill in the blanks. And like any other human, I often do it wrong, and I draw conclusions that sometimes help me act like a fool. But the thing is, like any other human, I can be wrong, and so I don't accept my conclusions when I know I don't have a lot of data to back them. So one of my stages of faith was to wade through the assumptions I was making about God and what, is, what his responsibilities are and what my responsibilities are. And when something would go terribly wrong in my life, I would immediately go to the theory that God should fix it, even if I didn't realize I had my own responsibility. For me, that sometimes causes an ebb or rather a moment when my faith gets away from me a bit. And that can be a natural thing for faith to sometimes weaken. Some people even call it a crisis of faith when it gets weak enough. That's when I cling to the logic that I've seen come true many times. That when my faith weakens, it's not because God has failed me. It's because either something is going on that I don't understand, or I've become exhausted and I've dropped the spiritual ball. Sometimes I need reminders, boosters of my own faith. Because this world is ugly to anyone who doesn't want to either ignore the corruption or join it. Hebrews 11, starting at verse 32, quote, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Unquote. It goes on to talk about the horrible hardships other people endured, basically saying they had faith in something more than this life, in God. They kept their faith and made short-term sacrifice to gain long-term reward. I've had so many moments like that, losing my friends and family members to drugs, alcohol, death, and suicide. I once lost 12 or 13 to deaths in about four years. It got to the point where every time the phone rang, my, th- my first thought was, Oh no, who died now? I've been through addictions, bad behavior, disabling medical issues, serious ongoing pain, starvation, a rough childhood. The list goes on and on. I've also known a lot of people whose tragedies were worse than mine. And I've even interviewed a few for my upcoming documentary. 
So trust me, I have tons of reasons to bring out the old classic question where people understandably ask, if there's a God and he's a loving father, why is he letting this stuff happen? That old ebb and flow that I went through, the back and forth with my faith, it wasn't just about momentary confusion or anger and just a few small situations. There were times when faith would come and go completely for years, including a long period of my life when I was an atheist. Then there was a time when I clung to faith because I needed to, not because I understood it. And that's not a good place to be. I would believe because I needed to believe there was a power that controlled it all. So my life didn't feel so pointless. But then when something really bad would happen, I'd stray back to the old belief that there is no God. Or he just just didn't care because I thought the God that I've heard about would love us too much to let us suffer like we do. And that ebb and flow went on for a long time until I did what a Christian should be doing. I didn't just read the Bible. I studied it. And one of the things that helped me ease the ebb and flow for me was something written in one of the Gospels of Christ. And let me share that with you. Jesus spoke a lot in parables, kind of like riddles or puzzles. And I love that he did this because every time I read one, it gets the old rusty gears in my head turning. It forces me to think about what he was saying. And when I do that, it draws me deeper into faith. Christ was preaching one moment when he gave this parable about the wheat and the tares. Matthew thirteen twenty four through 30, um, one of my favorite parables that Jesus gives. It's, I'm not going to read it to you because I always use King James and that tends to long passages that I read when I tend to read King James because sometimes that loses people. So I'm just going to explain it to you. So basically, these, the, this guy goes out and he plants a good crop in his field. He plants wheat. And in the middle of the night, an enemy comes along and plants something called tares. Now, tares are are things that kind of resemble wheat, but they're not wheat. They're basically useless. And so when the wheat and the tares started to spring up and they started to show their their crop, these servants come out and they see this and and they're asking him, like, "Didn't didn't you sow a good crop? What's going on here? So the guy that sows the crop says, no, an enemy did this. And so the servants say, you know, you know, want us to rip it all up? He says, no, because, you know, if you, if you rip out all the tares, you're also going to rip out all the wheat. So let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will, he, he says, I'll tell you all, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them and then gather the wheat and bring it to the barn. And later his disciples asked him, asked Jesus to clarify what he was talking about with this, you know, parable of the wheat field. And he tells them, I'm the guy that plants the field. The field is the world. The, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, you know, the children of God, but the tares are the children of the wicked one being the devil, right? The enemy, well, the enemy that sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. And he says, you know, basically, just in the same way the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, this should happen at the end of the world. And when I first read this, it it just clicked. I finally fully understood the question of why God would let us suffer. Because the alternative is unthinkable. To just wipe us out completely. All of us. 
Fortunately for us, God loves us too much to cut us all down and get rid of all of us and start over. He knew it was going to be painful to let the crop mature so he could sort it. And he knew in order to sort bad behavior from the good, he would have to see it, which means the bad has to happen along with the good. And as I said in my podcast called Sorting the Crop, I believe the harvest is near and we're currently going through that process, the, 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 the process of being sorted. God has taken the stance. And as I know from being a parent, he doesn't want to see us suffer, but he'd rather see us suffer for a while and then bring us home where we can have peace than to totally get rid of us and start over. Before I understood this, that old question of why would he let bad things happen was often causing my faith to get away from me. So my two biggest reasons for the ebb and flow of my faith have been one, not being able to let go of habits and addictions, and then expecting God to clean up my consequences, and two, not understanding God's reasons. And the more I process those things and work with them, the more rewards I have. My faith gets stronger and my life gets better. When the tide comes in, I rest on God's promises. When the tide goes out and my faith weakens a bit, I go back to the Bible and to my own media to remind me of how I got to a stronger faith. It's going to happen. There will be times when faith is tested no matter who you are. Just move with the ebb until the flow comes back. Lean on other people you know who know God. Lean on the Bible. Go back into things like this podcast because it's, it's not just about God keeping hold of you for his benefit. It's also about you keeping hold of him for your benefit because he doesn't just use us and throw away like the competition. Like any good parent, he keeps a long-term vision and therefore he loves he gives, and even when it hurts, he rescues. You've been listening to Ebb and Flow, a podcast by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com. The next chapter in this series is called Opposing Ourselves. Visit gettingtogod.com for more podcasts, articles, videos, and collections of information about the search of the soul.